Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, welcome everybody to, um, let's see, we're officially getting to the point now where I'm losing count episode of nine. episodes. Episode number nine, Quotes and Chokes Podcast. I'm Nick Angeloni. And I'm Arut Pogosian. Uh, go ahead. Right. Yeah. Go ahead and go. our guest today is El Capitan. Daniel <laughs> <laughs> Magni. Oh. Top ten. Uh, are you top five though? No, top ten. Top ten uh, UFC there. welterweight, soon to be top five, soon to be number one. Um, Neil Magny, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, no problem. Just have me on. <laughs> this looks so. Neil's got a, a microphone attached to a. Bro, a don't tell him. bottle. It looks funny when he's sitting there. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, you see, you got a fight coming up, right? Yep. I kind of jump right into kind of the meat and potatoes, and we can kind of get into the more fringe, fringe cool. stuff. So. When you fight, and tell us about it. Fight yes, so uh, training camp is going pretty well. I'm in week three now of training camp. Things are going pretty well. I feel my uh, conditioning and strength getting back to what it used to be, so that's a plus. Nice. Uh, I'm fighting Alex Oliveira in Brazil, September 22nd down in Sao Paulo. Brazilian so, cowboy, right? Yep, Brazilian cowboy. I'm yeah, fighting him. On his home turf. Yeah, so, so it's pretty, pretty much an exciting fight for me. I mean, uh, my biggest fight this past year was fighting Carlos Condit, so yeah. uh, to go in there and fight the guy who beat Carlos Condit after me, I mean, just sets the stage pretty high for me definitely definitely how you feel going to brazil fight a brazil have you fought in brazil i feel great it's my fourth time going to brazil to fight oh, okay, a brazilian nice. so i feel nice. great going he loves going to brazil <laughs> <laughs> i mean travel is part of the uh the fighting experience for me dude i mean i've been to definitely. so many different countries so many different cities because of uh mixed martial arts so for me that's just part of the journey and you mentioned getting back to the shape that you you've been in <laughs> Just for those that don't know, Neil probably got the best cardio in the game. Would you tell me that your resting heart rate was like it's a 34 when yeah. you were peaking? Yeah, that yeah, was pretty funny. I was getting a EKG done for a fight physical, and uh, the guy that was running the EKG was like, dude, your resting heart rate's at 34 right now, sitting down. That's crazy. You <laughs> oh, have a lower day, yeah, right? you have a lower resting heart rate than uh, Lance Armstrong. And I was like, are you kidding me? Seriously? Really? Yeah, I guess Lance Armstrong's uh, recorded. Uh, uh, resting heart rate is 39 and I dropped down to like 34, Damn. 35 for an EKG and your, your true resting heart rate right which is when you first wake up yeah that is sure. even lower than that. <laughs> yeah. so when you spar him he drowns you like I've never experienced that with anybody else the way like I'm literally every time we spar I'm like gasping for air <laughs> it's, uh, it's terrifying honestly to feel that in the fight I don't envy your opponents I remember when I first moved to Denver you probably don't remember this my when I first moved here, my very first time I'd ever done any sort of physical activity in the city was Friday sparring, <laughs> and you were my first round. Welcome to elevation. <laughs> yeah, at first in elevation, and it was sparring, and it was with you. And I was like, I, I think I only went two rounds. After that first round, I was about to throw up. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, fuck, man, am I just a bitch today? And then I realized, for one, I realized what your cardio was like, and then I realized, like, 
where about where what five thousand feet? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. How serious that was. Yeah, I mean, well, since we're being honest, like I might as well break it out too. I mean, when new guys come to the team, especially for sparring, like I make it a goal to push him and see how far they're willing to go. Nice. Uh, there's a guy who's willing to join the team. I want to know that he really wants to be here. And uh, for a lot of times, oh, show in that first week, a lot of guys will come in here and they'll get the pace put on them, they get the pressure put on them, and they'll quit right then. Be like, nah, this team's not for me. This sport's mm-hmm. not for me, and they'll walk away. And in the long run, I think I'm doing those guys a favor. I'm like, I'm not looking to necessarily knock the guys out, but I'm trying to get them to the point where they realize, like, man, I can't breathe. I can't move. I can't do this. Yeah. Like, do I really want to go in there and try to fight where the guy is going to try to knock my head off on fight night? I feel like I can make you quit in the gym before you get out there and experience it in, in the cage. I'm doing you a favor. And, yeah, I try to, and yeah. that's that military mindset. You, you're in the Army, right? Yeah, I was in the Army for uh, seven years. Seven years. Oh, and really? That's yeah. what, and that's one of the reasons Neil is the captain of the team. Uh, and part of the backbone, honestly, of the whole team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but to be fair, like he's a freak because <laughs> uh, he, he once told me when I first moved out here. I'm still like I, I still think about this once in a while. He, uh, how you did a, a marathon without training for it? Weight? <laughs> <Kuwait? laughs> what is it? 110 degree <laughs> heat? I think did some you with No, no, 110 degree heat. Oh, oh. <laughs> some girl was doing it or something. He did the marathon, no problem. And then he went to, like, military duty afterwards, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the story behind the marathon, uh, at the time I was seeing this girl in the military, uh, we were at different bases, and uh, I convinced my command to let me go down to Kuwait and run a marathon. Uh, but I, what I didn't <laughs> where, tell where, my... Where were you? Did you go from America to Kuwait? No, no, I was right in the Middle East. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, That's commitment to that yeah, guy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I convinced my command to let me go down there and run the marathon, but I left out the part that I was going down there to try to be with this girl. Oh, okay. So they approve it, that I get to go down there and uh and do the marathon and as soon as i cross the finish line i have my sergeant waiting for me like all right come on dude we got a mission we're going back up north i was like wait what <laughs> like, like, what do you mean we have a mission we were getting out of here i came down here to be with this girl and it's i just ran 26 miles for her <laughs> yeah, dude, it was bad i couldn't even get a hug from the girl and i and i just ran 26 miles for nothing really <laughs> and, did yeah. you even talk to her not that time, no. Oh, I had to go funny. back and mess her through MySpace, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. That's yeah. crazy. Bro, but when he told me this story, he was so matter of fact about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I ran it without training. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> where did you get? Where do you uh, feel like that comes from? It just comes from like the work you put in, or yeah. I mean, I think honestly, like uh, my life helps me become a better fighter, and being me chasing to become a better fighter helps me get better at life. And then uh, I, I think that's the the biggest thing about. It. I mean. Uh, does there come a day where I have to walk away from fighting and, and all this stuff that I've accomplished? It won't necessarily mean much at all. But uh, if I can take something away from fighting and apply it to my everyday life, I feel like that's a bigger uh, aspect for me. And that's what I try to do with everything that I do. And uh, I think that's where that mindset comes from. Like, yeah, run 26 miles. Like, there was points I was like, dude, screw this. This is stupid. What am I doing? Just stop here. Just, just <laughs> <laughs> You ran 10 miles. No one knows if you stopped here. Just, just say you ran a half, half marathon and, and call it a day. Just stop here. But uh, I, I wanted to accomplish it. I wanted to finish the goal yeah. and get, get to what I, what I set out to do, uh, which was, one, running marathon, two, be with the girl, which – it's probably backwards, but, <laughs> but I wanted to finish that. Too. I'm sure you were running, you were thinking like, if I quit, there's no way I'm talking to this girl. For sure. <laughs> I gotta do it. Also, Neil came up in the hit squad, right, Matt Hughes, Jim? Yeah, so I started training with uh, Miguel Torres my senior year of high school, and then um, spent some time in the military, came back, went to uh, his college down by St. Louis, and at that time I started training with Matt Hughes as well down at the hit squad. And I, I know they're legendary for having like, the practices were tough over there. Grueling. Like that's what Jimmy Zadek told me. Like it was really grueling. 
smiling right now. Yeah, yeah, dude. There's some memories from the hit squad. It was it was not a place for for the week. I mean, uh, Matt Hughes had this thing where uh, I mean, he just showed you how to be a competitor. I mean, there are certain days that we'll warm up with dodgeball, for example. And if uh, if Matt Hughes was losing or he thought the dodgeball game wasn't that competitive or guys were holding back, we played dodgeball for the entire hour. <laughs> and and at the time, I didn't understand it. I was like, why is he putting such emphasis on on dodgeball? Like, what? what who cares you about dodgeball? You could dodge a punch. <laughs> but like, he actually had that mindset. He was like, if you're gonna have uh, cut yourself short in dodgeball, you're gonna do it in, in a fight. You're gonna do it in training. You're gonna do it in other aspects of life. So he would actually make us play dodgeball for an entire hour until guys. Were putting in their honest effort and, and someone won or lost it's that mentality of how you do anything is how you do everything for sure right yeah and Matt Hughes definitely beat that out of us whether it's through dodgeball or him physically beating out of you he got it out of you for sure hmm. <laughs> let me ask you this I've actually been thinking about this recently about that the whole principle of uh applying like your best to everything you know um I I feel like so I, I try, I, I've tried to apply that principle in my life and then me just kind of being um, like as obsessive, obsessive as I am will find myself like um, eventually getting to the point where I realize where it's okay, I, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to do less things. Because if I'm sure. doing my best at everything, then like I don't have time. Yeah, something's going to suffer, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> Um, I can't yes, spend more. two hours like trying to perfectly clean the dishes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> things like that. You gotta delegate those tasks, though. <laughs> Why do you have a wife? That's where I got married. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, how do you do? You find a balance on that, or, or? um, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a way of balancing that all. For example, like I'm, I'm a newlywed. I've been married for a month now. And um, this past week, my wife had surgery. So here I am trying to balance managing my properties in Colorado, uh, getting ready for a fight in training camp, and have to take care of a wife who just came home from surgery. Mm. And uh, at the end of the day, if I'm giving all those things, like my full-on attention, 100%, one of those things is going to suffer. Like, it, it comes down to the point of, like, one-time one, yeah, one time management, two, prioritizing. Like, I have to realize, like, you know what? I need to go in there and make the best of the hour or three hours I have of training for that day and, and not leave anything not even anything out like I have three hours to train I gotta give my best during that three hours and then when I'm going back home to be with my wife and take care of her I have to be there for her and do the best that I can can for her in that moment as well and when I'm going back to like working on a property or wherever it may be I have to realize like alright you know what uh, I've trained for today I, I did what I had to do for my wife for today I have a couple hours to get this task done at this at this rental property let me go ahead and knock this, knock this out as well mm-hmm. and um, and just being diligent with every movement allows me to prioritize and and uh, put things in order a little bit easier. If I would have like went through the motions of training and then just barely been there for my wife and then just barely worked on the property, like every last one of those things would have suffered. But the fact that I was able to give it my best for three hours to, in the training, give my best when I, when I was with my wife to take care of her and give my best when I was working on that property, I got all those things done. I can go home at the end of the day feeling accomplished. Like, all right, that was a difficult day, but I gave it all my best and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm happy with that. And I can start the next day the same way. You can rest easy, right? When you get all those things done, yeah. you know you gave your best, then you can sleep easy that For night. sure. That, yeah. that seems like that would transfer into your fight, too, or like if that's the mindset you have where you're just, wherever you're at, you're just presently doing like the best that you can do in that situation. Do you, yeah. do you keep that same uh, mentality when you're fighting? And that's the biggest thing for me, going going into a fight, leading up to a fight, after a fight, as I try to keep myself like aware of what is it I'm doing. And uh, 
one of the things that stuck out to me in my last fight that's kind of like most people probably won't even notice but it affects me after my last fight was the first time ever I decided to call someone out specifically by name I love that never <laughs> but like and that's the thing it. a lot of people love that I'm like yeah way to see that Neil way to, way to get that out there but at the end of the day like I wasn't content with that because I knew that wasn't me I did it because I thought that's what I needed to do in order to get to the next level or the next opponent that I wanted when in reality like what I've been doing the last six years in the UFC is what I need to keep doing anyway like if I go out there and I just beat every single guy number 15 through number 2 to get that number 1 spot there's no one denying me a, a title shot if I focus on that but I allowed myself to get to the point where just like oh I need to do this in order to get to that, that next spot and it, it just didn't I didn't, it didn't sit easy with me I didn't I even though it was such a small thing that I did, for me, it was just kind of, it was just like, that wasn't me. That was out of character. That's something that I don't like doing. So I, I actually sat back after that fight and was just kind of like, I don't like that. How how am I going to make my goal happen without calling someone out? How am I going to make my goal happen without be doing what's trendy? And I just literally sat down and like sent the UFC a message and I was like, hey, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to take this this fight in September and see what happens. And uh, I'm at a point where I'm taking it fight by fight, uh, round by round, and work my way to get that that top five opponent that that's going to put me where I need to be. Can I what? say? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Do you, what. Uh what didn't you like about it? Just because it's not your normal character? Yeah, it just it's just it was it was out of character for me, and it was something that uh, I allowed others and outside influence to influence me. Mm-hmm. Which is what I didn't like about it. Yeah. Where in the past there's there have been people telling me, "Hey, man, you deserve a top ten opponent right now," and uh, and I was just kind of like, "Yeah, if I di- if I deserve a top ten opponent, I'll have a top ten opponent." And I just kind of stayed focused on training and, and and fighting and doing my own thing. And eventually, that top ten opponent pre- presented itself. But yeah. for some reason, I felt like the trendy thing to do to get what I wanted was to call somebody out I felt like yeah the thing thing that most fans would appreciate was for me to call somebody out the thing that I thought they used to appreciate was to call somebody out and when it was all said and done like I didn't get what I asked for I went out there did something that was out of character and still didn't get what I thought I was going to get out of it Mm -hmm. I think I think it comes down to it sounds like that humility is a big priority for, for you for sure and like calling somebody out you know maybe that wasn't as humble you you felt like yeah but honestly what i think is the biggest priority for you is your work ethic the way you prepare for fights like that should always be your focus that's what gets you the w for sure like and we all look up to you okay like neil's doing this now we should be able to do it we should do it too uh but you know say what you say about you not feeling right about it i know me nick and a lot of others when you call out kamaru usman we're hella happy. I think it's just like a bonus for sure. the work ethic that you're putting in. Like, you shouldn't think about it uh, for more than, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. But, uh, but it's like a little extra. Because I feel like in the UFC, when they're saying, what's next for you? They're asking you specifically to matchmake. They need help matchmaking. And I I don't think... You're not fighting Kamaru Usman next. You're fighting Brazilian Cowboy. But I don't think it hurts you. I think it puts your name out there in the mix. But you're right. I think your biggest focus should be your training and your preparation. For That's sure. what gets you gets you the W's. And yeah. at the end of the day, the W's is the only thing that matters. It's the For biggest sure. thing that matters. <laughs> when that happened, I'm, um, I think that that card was like the first episode of this podcast. Yeah. Um, and we talked about it and we both were like, oh, that was, we thought that was cool and stuff that, that you did that. Um, because, but I see two sides to the story because it's cool in a sense that um, it does help market and we feel like, like, you know, we want, we obviously want everyone on our team to do well and so For sure. we wanted you to see, get good fights and things like that. Um, but, I, like, uh, on your side of the story, what I can kind of see is 
the way you said it kind of gave me gave me a little bit of a realization because it is trendy, right? And I and I feel like the guys who really stand out in the long run are not like the guys that just do like the trends, right? Like you, like sure. you, like who you are is like what makes you unique. And I feel like uniqueness is really what gets you more fans and gets you noticeable and stuff, right? Like being just another dude that's imitating Conor McGregor is just. I'm so tired of those guys. Yeah, <laughs> and you see it all over the place. I mean, like, literally the other day, there was uh, I was just scrolling through Facebook, and this random video came up where uh, Kim Kardashian actually was on her, on the radio show, and the radio host asked her, like, uh, oh, you, so you had a funny story that happened the other day. Tell us about it. And she started, like, well... My daughter came up to me and asked me, oh, "Why that. am I famous?" And then, oh. and, then, and she, <laughs> yeah, the truth is. she she paused. She paused. Like, wow, how do I answer this question? And at the end of the day, like, I there's any action that I do, whether it's good or bad, whatever it may be, yeah. like, I'm gonna be able to repeat it and say it to whomever. Probably like, hey, you know what? This is why I'm where I am now. I'm gonna, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for uh, a kid or whoever it may be in the future. I'll let them know exactly what I did, good, bad, everything in between that they want to know. Yeah. And and as, and let them know, like, hey, you can go out the experiences as well. This is what I did. This is how it worked out for me. It may not be the same for you, but I'm not going to have. I'm never going to have a moment, or I don't want to have a moment where someone asks me a question. I have to like, hey, how did so and so get get there? And be like, uh. Well, son, it's a kind of long story. <laughs> How do I explain this to you? Like, I wouldn't be able to say it with a clear conscience, clear mind, like, hey, this is what happened. Whether you like yeah. it or not, this is what happened. And that's how my entire career has been. Like, I, Even up to now, like, I have 20 fights in UFC. I still don't have management in, in the UFC. Really? And, uh, yeah, I did it all myself to this point. And at the end of the day, when, when someone asks me, like, how do I feel my, my, my career – I'll be happy with it. Good and bad, everything is between. The losses that I've taken because I took too big of a risk, I'll be okay with that. The losses yeah. that I've taken because I jumped to a fight too soon after physical therapy, wherever it may be, I'll be okay with that. I'll be That'll be my decision that I'm okay with moving forward with. It will never be a position in my life where I'm just kind of like, oh, well, that, that, that loss happened because of so-and-so. Like, no, it was because of me. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I was too aggressive. I was this. I was that. Like, I'll be able to tell you exactly what happened and, and – uh, and tell you what I learned from that experience. It would never be an excuse as far as like, oh, well, uh, I just didn't have the right training partner. Oh, I didn't have the right this, I didn't have the right that. Like, mm. nope. I so, so it sounds like full accountability, full authenticity. For sure. Is yeah, that's the biggest thing, dude. Like, it, it, even the other, like, I just sit, I'm one of those guys that sits back and I observe so much. Like, you hear a lot of people tell you things, but for me, it's I like to see what really goes on. Like, uh, and through observations, I'm able to see certain things. So, like, the other day, I was listening to a podcast that Rashad Evans was on, and Rashad was talking about how it felt when he won the title. He put everything he could to win the UFC title, and then, like, the day after he won it, he was kind of like, huh, that's it? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That, 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 this is what comes with winning a title? Uh, same thing with Mike Tyson. Like, Mike Tyson talked about it all the time now. He'll say, man, this belt is garbage. The money that I won and the times that I was uh, on top of the world, that's garbage. I would give anything to be my kids right now. Like, that's what's more important to me. And, yeah. like, me observing that through people who's already been through where I'm trying to go allows me to appreciate the moment that I'm in now. Like, I'm not going to wait to end my career to start looking back and helping others. I'm not going to wait to end my career to start, like, reaching out and doing all the things that, that I'm eager to, to be involved in. If there's an opportunity for me to do something while fighting, I'm going to do it. Like, I do fighting because I enjoy it. I do fighting because I love it. Like, I could easily do something else to just earn a paycheck, but I actually, I literally enjoy what I do, and that's why I do it. So, yeah, the money is the bonus. Yeah, the more, just getting paid to what you love is just the bonus. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm not going to wait till this is all over with for me to look back and be like, 
oh, now it's time for me to help someone. Oh, now it's time for me to see what else life has to offer. I'm going to enjoy life every single day of it, enjoy being able to train. So speaking of helping people, I think this is another reason why you're the captain of the team. <laughs> uh, I, not many people know this story. I think Lucas kind of told me this back in the day at Muscle Farm. Uh, after practice, we're, you know, we're resting, doing some recovery, and he told me a story when his mother was passing away and he didn't have money to go back. <laughs> I've never once heard the story come from you, but he didn't have money to go back and you bought his plane ticket uh, to go back to Brazil to say his goodbyes to mom. And he was very thankful. Yeah. Honestly, Lucas had full appreciation for what you did for him. And there's, I've heard many other stories like that from other people, not once from your mouth. So I think that kind of shows the genuineness of your intentions and you know you do it you you do these things because you want to not because you want others to see like oh look at me like check check mark of for sure what a good person. <laughs> you know you do it because you want to what i kind of see is um uh people i talk about like kobe covington i feel like is a good example um we had a nickname for him. I forget what it called. It was like most Ma- Ma- most annoying Ma- man, man in MMA. Ma- 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of people, like, I'll talk about him, and people are like, well, he's, um, like, well, he's making more money because of that, you know? And it's it's cool to see. One of the biggest things I get out of doing this, this podcast is it's kind of selfish because I, I get to learn a lot of things, like, from guys like you, and we had a good interview with Corey and, and uh, a lot of other guys. From every guest. Yeah. I, we learned something. Yeah. And a big thing, like, what I'm taking out of this is, is it's really cool that it's like, okay, I, I want to fight, and if you want to, I'm sure you're not against making money, right? For sure. If, if you make more money, you know, you rematch properties and stuff, but, like, at the cost of two things, at the cost of sacrificing who you are, right? And then also, it's like I believe that th- like those people who are who are just talking crap and being basically just shitty people, like in the pub- public view, like that changes like young impressionable minds. You know what I mean? And uh, you're talking about helping people. I think that doing that, like the way that you're doing it, like y- you're passively helping people. Like, being a role model, a big example. Yeah, because I think that the people like like. Being like like McGregor and being like like Covington just for the sake of making more money, like you said, like that money is garbage, right? Like it's nothing. And those guys, they they sacrifice who they are. They sacrifice like the well, positive that they could have done. Well, unless that's who they are, though. Like you know, for me, I but Kobe Covington is like, he's not. That's not who he is. Like you could tell he's forcing that. You know what I mean? He's terrible. I'm entertained. <laughs> I hate him, but I'm entertained. <laughs> What are, yeah. you, what are your thoughts on, like, um, on the guys doing things like that? So, like, like I said earlier, I'm a guy that likes to observe certain things. So I'll sit back and I'll, I'll observe Conor Greg, for example. I'll watch his interviews, things like that. I'm like, man, he's going out there and uh, he's trying to entertain people. And when it comes to Connor, he's actually good at it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's, like, he's got a skill for sure. Yeah, like when he, when he goes out there and um, he's doing a press conference or he's having, like, whatever media press that he's having, he's actually rehearsed that time and time again. He's actually giving someone, like, some kind of stories. There's no, when you watch Conor McGregor, it's no different from watching an actor go out there and put on a th- uh, theatrical performance. Like, it's, that's what I see when Conor McGregor goes out there. But the da- the backside that, that I like to see Conor McGregor, what, what I observe, is seeing him behind the scenes. For example, there was uh, 
There was an interview that I remember where Cameron Gregg was walking down the street, and uh, all these interviewers were asking him questions like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And one particular interviewer asked him like, hey, who do you think would win a fight between you and Jesus? And and, and during during this particular time, uh, Cameron Gregg said what he thought that he had to say during the time because there are all these cameras on him. like, dude, uh, I'll beat any man. Like, any man put it in front of me, I'll beat him. That's what he thought he had to say. And then fast forward a couple weeks later, that very same interviewer. Where he said he would beat Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, he right. said he'll beat Jesus because the camera was on. He, he felt like that's what he had to say. But like after some self reflection, after and like him concerned what his values were, that very same interviewer saw Conor McGregor a few weeks later and asked him a question. And Conor McGregor his reaction to this guy was like, "Hey, you're that guy who asked me that, that Jesus question a couple weeks ago. Screw off! I'm not answering your question right now." Because like he he knew it was important to him. He knew what like. Uh, he realized that faith is one thing that he holds value to, yeah. and that guy made him go out of character. He didn't like that, so he got well, caught him off. Like, yeah, he caught him, him off moment. guard. Yeah. yeah, he caught him off guard. Come in a moment and made him respond a certain way that he didn't want to. So after the fact, when he was put in the same position again, he addressed that issue and let it be known like something that was important to him, like yeah. that Jesus question. Yes, I answered that because I was under pressure, and he in a moment I did that, but. Here I am, three weeks later, when the dust is settled, you can't ask me that kind of question because that's something I'm actually like passionate about or something that means something to me. Yeah. It's not just something that I'm going to say because the camera's in front of my face. And and that's something that made me appreciate Conor McGregor a little bit more as as a fan of his and as a fan of the sport of mixed martial arts. That does make me appreciate him more too, actually. Nah. I, I don't, you don't hear too many... Uh, stories about like like that. yeah, like and, and like I, I think most people miss something like that because like you're looking for the juicy stuff. Like you want to see Conor McGregor on the yacht. You want to see Conor McGregor getting yeah. a new chest tattoo. Like you want to see that kind of stuff about Conor McGregor. <laughs> that and like terrible. Yeah, yeah, and for he, most people, he needs a new chest yeah. <laughs> for most people, that's the big turn on. Like oh man, this is cool stuff. But like for me, like just observing like that interview there really made me a fan of Conor McGregor. Like mm-hmm. him holding true to what's important to me. Like man, I, I can get behind this guy. This is cool. Mm-hmm. Hearing you say things like that makes me think of uh you're like um uh you're like batman at the end of the dark knight you know (laughs) you're you're not the hero we deserve you're the one that we need (laughs) um but uh, i'm gonna bring this back around to cardio (laughs) um so i i kind of asked the question i'm gonna i I asked this already i'm gonna reiterate because i didn't uh i guess fully get the answer that i I had in mind or that i was looking for so when i was asking you about where the cardio comes from you started talking about mindset um, I guess more so what I was kind of getting at that with that question was, are you, um, like, did that come from something in your past, right? Like, like, were you in sports that gave you, like, a good cardio, or is it is it purely, like, developed, like, as you became a fighter? Um, I think the biggest thing that comes down to cardio for me comes from uh, my time in high school as a distance runner. Oh, uh, so in high school, I ran distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I ran distance in high school. Okay. But when, when we're talking about this subject, like, I... It something that helped me. Like most people want to be, I want to be the fastest guy on the team. I want to do, I want to do this. Like those are the things that are attractive to most athletes. They're like, man, I want to be the fast guy out there. But for me, why I gravitated towards distance running and track is because I wasn't the fastest guy, and I knew that. And it, it was because. Whatever, because where I was built, because whatever it may be, I wasn't the fastest guy. But running distance allowed me to be uh, competitive as well, because I can work for it. If I go out and I run mile at the mile at the mile, my time is going to drop, and that's what attracted me to running distance, which I, which now allows me to fight the pace that I fight. Um, I know week one when I go in there and I spar. I'm going to be gasping for air. I know it. But I know if I keep doing it time and time again, it gets a little bit easier each time. And that's one of the things that helped me uh, build my cardio when it comes to fight time. It's just that that mindset of like, hey, you, you may not be gifted as far as like 
having great cardio, whatever, or being the fastest guy or the strongest guy, whatever it may be. But when it comes to how what you can endure to keep going, you can always build that on by how much you're willing to work for it. Mm. That's kind of the same way I felt when I started doing jujitsu because I feel like with with striking and a lot of stuff, it's um, if like if you don't have a chin and that dude hits hard. You know what I mean? That's like there's certain, sure. there's certain things we just can't. But like with jujitsu, like what drew me to it was kind of the same thing. Where it's just like I just I know like it's, this is mostly technical. So like if I can just spend more time doing this than that guy, for sure. Eventually, you know, you can um, kind of get better than that. That's funny. You like complete opposite of me. I ran track too, and I didn't run anything above hundred meters. I was like, this is stupid because I was explosive and I just want to take advantage of it. And I didn't want to get tired at all. It wasn't. It wasn't until I started, uh, you know, fighting as an amateur, where I was like, "Man, I, I can't win all of them in the first round. I gotta work on my cardio." More. Yeah. And I still, to this day, I, now I'm at a point where you were in high school. I'm obsessed with cardio now. Like I, I'm willing to sell my soul to the devil to get cardio where I could push hard all the all three rounds all five rounds not like the same pace that i put in the first round i want to finish like that it's something some of us learn a little later for sure <laughs> but but that's the thing that everyone can walk away with it and that'd be less for everyone like you can probably remember like I'm, you probably can't remember the exact time but let's say you can remember that first time you ran a mile you probably felt like crap and let's say you ran that first mile in nine minutes you can go back and try to run that mile in eight minutes and 59 seconds and then try to beat that and try to beat that and like as much as you work at it you'll eventually keep getting that number lower and lower and lower yeah. until you get to something that you're okay with and that's and i think that's the best thing about it dude like Anyone can start somewhere and finish somewhere and finish somewhere completely different from where they started six months ago, and that's something that's great to me, dude. Like, uh, whether you're like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's no excuse for it. It's just it's, it's just a matter of putting in the work. Like, you can start from the bottom or from the top. Where you can, just, but at the end of the day, everyone has a starting point, and you can make it better from just putting in work. And that's what I like about uh, being able to train and, and and compete in the way that I do. Like, I agree, hundred percent. That's that. Do you uh, kind of apply that? principle like in general like not just with cardio but with everything because i hear a lot of i hear like Corey and i were talking or Corey and and us we were all talking about um this kind of same principle where it's it's not like when you're training it's just like i'm just trying to get better than i was right like instead of like i gotta make sure that i get better than that person you know what i mean well um what's your kind of mindset as far as training Are, are are you thinking like when you get ready for camp is it like um, I gotta make sure that I'm getting ready for this guy. I gotta be up, come up to like where he is, or is it is it just like I'm just gonna be as ready as I can be? I'm gonna be better than I was last camp. Literally, when I walked into the gym a couple weeks ago, got to come back from my honeymoon, and I sparred for the first time, I was like, "Man, dude, I'm out of shape." And literally, the thing I told myself afterwards, like, "Well, the best part about it is this is the worst I'll feel this camp." Like that that first <laughs> that first sparring <laughs> session, where I just like was gasping for air, couldn't breathe, was was barely able to throw any kind of punches. Like, yeah, like this is the worst <laughs> I would feel, and I can just get better from there. And then, like, once I start getting that 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 cardio under my belt, and I start feeling a little bit better, now we can start focusing. Like, all right, this is the guy I'm fighting. What do I I'd need to do to beat this guy and it, it is less about like him it's, and I put all pressure on me it's like alright I need to exploit him here here and here in order to be successful in this fight and I just focus on doing that and I can and no matter who I go with in the training room I can make that thing happen and, and, and eventually take it to the fight and be successful there what do you mean make that thing like like when you say make that thing happen 
What, what do you mean by so, that? So let's say, for example, uh, getting ready for a college content fight. Uh, we watched a couple of films, a couple of fights on college content, and I knew that one of the biggest keys to win that fight was one, uh, interrupting his timing. He's one of those guys that likes to punch in volume, and once he gets going, it's hard to stop him. So I know once he sets up his... Before he can set up his cross hook low kick, I have to interrupt his cross or whatever it may be. At the, so I had to interrupt break the Darius. Yeah, break his momentum. So I knew going into training, whether I was going with the guy that sparred like Carlos Conner or not, my goal was to interrupt his, his timing, interrupt his, his combination, interrupt, just keep interrupting him. And I was able to keep applying that as many times as possible uh, in training before I got to the fight. And once I got to the fight, I was able to interrupt almost every single combination that yeah. Carlos Conner got started in that fight. And and those are the things that like I'm able to work on through throughout training and, and, and pick up on as I go go into a fight. Those are the, I had a similar like conversation with Dwayne. Uh, actually, I remember this was actually when I one of the first times I sparred with you because I was getting ready for a fight, and Dwayne and I like laid out a game plan, and it was kind of just the the way the what the way that I needed to fight in that game plan was just the perfect way to get my ass kicked by Haru. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and, and not that that doesn't happen anyways, but it was just, that just made it worse. So it was like, and I went back and I talked to him afterwards, and I was like, hey, like we got this game plan, but I'm losing like sparring rounds because I'm trying to do this. And he was like, well, what's more important? You want to win sparring rounds, you want to win this fight. Nah. And I was like, well, okay, yeah, I got nah. it. You, know? yeah. you got to just do... For sure. Like, game plans never worked well for me. Like, every fight that I went into and felt like, oh, this is the game plan, it never worked well. Like, working things that I can do on anyone well will always help me in the fight because I have something to fall back on. Like, I, I know I can interrupt the time. I know I can uh, set up the same. I know I can do all these different things that I can do. But, like, when 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 I think of game plan where guys are like, all right, we're, we're going to focus on doing this, and then when he does that, we're going to do that. Like, I feel like that's oh, when it gets too difficult. Yeah, and we get too – when the game plan gets too strict, it gets too difficult because mm-hmm. Like going to fight with Carlos Conner, for, for example, like the idea of that fight was to interrupt his timing. But if for some reason I couldn't interrupt, interrupt his timing, what else did I have to fall back on? I can wrestle him. And, and that ended up being another so factor in that fight you as well. I want to leave, I'm the same way. I want to leave room for improvisation. For sure. And the bo- both fights that I've lost, I feel like, uh, oh no, well, at least one that I've lost, I didn't leave room for improvisation. And, yeah. Uh, that cost me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, the uh, so I've lost two fights as an amateur. One of them, I, I felt like that was uh, um, kind of what lost me the fight was I got too specific on my game plan, and when things like went off where the game plan was, I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do, like nah. you know. And then <laughs> yeah, so um, so uh, you got something? Yeah. You so at? you, I want to ask where you from? I want. Uh, I know you're from New York, Brooklyn, by way of Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. So, long story. My parents are from uh, Haiti. I grew up in New York City. I uh, went to high school and college in Illinois. Were you born and in Haiti? Or born in no, I was born in the U.S. Okay. And then my I, I uh, moved to Colorado about six years ago. Yeah, uh, I know you're half Dominican too. Yeah, part. Yeah, part Dominican. Right. Um, why uh, did I interrupt you? No, good. I was just say why? Why did you pick Colorado? Uh, so I literally met the coaches on the Ultimate Fighter, and they're all from Colorado. Oh, and uh, yeah, and uh, at the time I was just like I was looking for somewhere to go train. And while I was back in Illinois, I was like, man, uh, I need to make a move and make this happen. I need to run for it and, and try to make it make it in the UFC. And um, you were in the UFC already, though, right? No, it was right for the Ultimate Fighter. Okay. So uh, this was back in 2012. Um, I got the call for it around so. Give a background what was going on at the time. At the time, I was like in a part. I was like literally struggling. I was like 
fresh out of college, I was working odd jobs just to get through uh, and like focus on fighting. But it got to the point that man, this sucks. Like I, I'm a freaking military veteran. I'm, I have a college degree, and I'm like working odd jobs to barely make ends meet in order to pursue this goal or pursue this dream. Yeah. And um, at the time, my Chicago police exam. Uh, I'm sorry, my Chicago police test finally was approved, and I finally got a call back to uh, start going through the process, get the acceptance to the academy. Uh-huh. And then within a week, I also got a call back from the UFC to uh, get started as <laughs> an ultimate fighter. Uh, so, so, so you have to make a choice. for sure. So at that time, I was like, well, crap, do I like quit working these odd jobs and start pursuing a career in law enforcement, or do I make a run and like make it happen in the UFC then? But I, I did the ultimate fighter. I met Nate and some of the other coaches, Nate Marquardt, yeah. and uh, some of the other coaches on, on the uh, show. And um, through then, they invited me out to Colorado to train. And within two weeks of going back home from the ultimate fighter, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm going to give it all I have now. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna postpone going to the police academy. I'm going to postpone all that stuff. How would you make I'm, that decision? No, always I, be there. It right? was, yeah, like oh, I mean, okay. the biggest thing is like I know that the cutoff age for the police academy is like uh, thirty four years old or something like that. And at the time, I was twenty five years old, so I was okay. like, I, I know I can um, always go back and fall back on that. But the worst thing that I would do is like be forty years old and look back and be like, oh man, I could be one of those guys in UFC. Yeah. I, I had a good shot in there. Like I, that could have <laughs> been me. So I literally got back to the Ultimate Fighter. I gave away everything I had in my apartment and pretty much loaded up my little Hyundai Sonata and drove out to Colorado. Like, whatever I could not fit in my Sonata, I just did not bring with me to Colorado yeah. and decided to move here. I just nice. took a, went out on a limb, lived in Neymar Court's basement, and was like, all right, I'm going to try and make it happen. Buy, did you find odd jobs, or did the Ultimate Fighter show up pretty soon? So, yeah, so, so we're talking about that. Let's get into it. So uh, <laughs> when I made it on the Ultimate Fighter and, and was told that I was going to have a contract after the show, I was like, man, I made it. This is it. I got. I'm in the UFC. Like things are gonna, gonna start happening now. But I didn't realize there'd be a while before I actually started getting money got for paid. being a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so um, the TV show took seven weeks to film, and uh, for for everything that you got paid for the show was only seven grand. That's all I made for filming the Ultimate Fighter. For appearance. For yeah, that was yeah. that was all the money I made for for seven weeks. You thought you were big time. And here you are with 70. yeah, so, so I have <laughs> seven thousand dollars to last you to my next fight. Uh, I I get back from the show. I get my seven thousand dollar check. I pay off the rent and things that I owe. So now I'm down to like three thousand dollars to to make it through to my next fight. Uh, I get out to Colorado. I start training. Uh, I get a call from Joe Silva. He tells me I'm going to fight in uh, in December. So I'm like. All right, this is cool. I'm living in Nate's basement, so I don't have to worry about paying rent. Shout out to Nate Marquardt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm living in Nate Marquardt's basement. I don't have to worry about paying rent. Uh, Nate's wife's amazing. She's like make, making me food and everything else and, and things oh, like that. Nice. So I'm like, I don't have to worry about that. So yeah. like, I'm just like paying for gas and that kind of thing to make it through December. Uh, what month was it? Uh, sorry, yeah, I moved it? out to Colorado in in. Uh, in September and I wasn't gonna fight till December, okay. so I was like, Didn't all right, three months. I had three grand to to uh, <laughs> to live off of until until December comes around. Yeah. Uh, before I was going to get to that fight, I got a call from Joe Silva saying that my opponent John Manley has staff and my fight was to be postponed until February. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so at this point, I'm like, well, crap. I'll get staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how the heck am I gonna like make it through with three grand from freaking? Uh, September till February now yeah. so like 
at this point, I'm pitching yeah. patties, dude. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like calling every favor that I was owed. I'm like, hey, buddy, remember that time that you borrowed a couple hundred bucks? I need that back now. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm calling everyone I can to kind of make it through and like scrapping up all the change that I can. Uh, it's like, I, uh, have you ever seen the movie? Uh, uh, the Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. pretty Will much Smith me. Like, I need my $14. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much me at this point, dude. Like, the funds are running low, freaking uh, bank accounts are overdrawn, credit cards are maxed out. I'm just like trying to make it to this fight, dude. And, and then I finally do make it to, to February. I make to my UFC debut. I get paid. My UFC debut, I made eight. Uh, I made sixteen thousand dollars. I'm like, yeah, this is it. I made it, dude. Yeah. I, I'm big time now. Little <laughs> do I know, like, you have to pay coaches now. Like, yeah. <laughs> and and it's not like and it was taxes. before. Yeah, paying coaches <laughs> in the UFC now. It's not paying a gym doer. It's like a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks a month. Like you're paying percentages here. Yeah. And on top of paying percentages, you're you're having to cover coaches' meals. You're having to cover uh, hotel costs. You're having to cover flights, all this stuff. So I'm like, well, where do where's all my money going now? Like, <laughs> like I made sixteen thousand dollars. Like I'm on top of the world, dude. Like I'm twenty five years old. I just made sixteen grand. Like I should be living life right now. But how much we, did you walk away with? You remember? After paying my coaches, paying taxes, uh, like airfare, all that stuff, my sixteen grand quickly dropped down to about six thousand dollars. What? Quickly, like, wow. like, like, like after paying the the overdraft accounts, after paying the, oh, yeah, 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 the paying the maxed out credit cards, after paying out all this stuff, my sixteen thousand dollars dropped down to about six grand really quick. So you want to be a fighter? You're right back in situation for sure. I always tell people like when like every once in a while I get like uh, young kids or something that will hit me up on Instagram and be like oh you know what should I do if I want to be if I want to fight this now like the first thing that you gotta like ask yourself is like are you okay with being dead broke for possibly like a long time for sure really long time yeah I mean when it comes to fighting in uh, in the UFC or or making it in in MMA uh, your career is not like other professional athletes most professional athletes get a big signing bonus when they sign to a team that kind of thing uh, the way I would describe getting making it in mixed martial arts is the the starving artist route. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna make it from gig to gig, meal to meal, until you get that one big break. It's like, whoa, I have some money now. I can put I can actually pay for a decent place to stay and put some money aside. Like that's what it's like being a mixed martial arts fighter. The oh, idea yeah. of like getting that huge signing bonus where you feel like you made it. That's not what it's like. Yeah. You're a starving artist until you get that big break. <laughs> so your and it, passion better be big enough to sustain you. That is, yeah. You can't buy food. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be eating on passion. <laughs> Dude, like even going back to it, like even after this fact, when I I, I make it through my first UC fight, and I'm dropped down to make my six grand, and I'm like, all right, I can hold on to this. Like at this point, I'm like, I'm 25 years old. I'm like, I'm in the UFC. I feel like I need to finally move out of Nate Marquardt's basement. So I move out of Nate Marquardt's basement. I move into a place, and uh, things are going a little bit better. Um, I I signed a bot agreement at this point, and my next fight's gonna be in August. I'm like, all right, I made it. Life is good. Uh, I got a place to stay. I, so I, you I have six, mo- six months. Six months. Yeah. Oh, six okay. months. I got my six grand. I got six. I got thousand dollars a month. Yeah. I got a place to stay. I'm ready to go. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, here's another surprise. My next fight's in Brazil now. Oh, and shit. I'm still on that eight and eight contract. And I go to Brazil. Yeah, I, yeah, I go to Brazil, and I'm like, expensive. yeah, flights. And I'm like, all right, now I, the USC is only paying for my flight and one coach. The second coach, I have to cover that flight, and I have to cover the meals, I have to cover all that stuff. That's got to be what at least. 
$2,000 Yeah, dude. That's a, that's a lot of money coming out. And oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I go to Brazil and I lose that fight. So I lose that fight in Brazil. So Brazil. Half of. Yeah, so I'm only making $8,000 this time, not $16,000. Uh-huh. And I've already paid almost $3,000 just to get my coaches out there. And I lose my fight. And, and, uh, at this point, I didn't notice either. Brazil takes money out of your check when you get paid as a fighter for taxes there, foreign taxes. So of my $8,000 that I made going to Brazil to fight, I've already lost two grand to cover coaches, airfare, and that kind of thing. And I think, uh, I can't remember the exact percentage, but 30% of $8,000, whatever that is, yeah. Brazil takes that out of my check as well to cover taxes. So now I'm down to, to yeah, I mean, I'm down to struggling with uh, <laughs> three grand to make to my next fight. It's like this is the least <laughs> amount of money that I like. Like so, like the, when you started that story, I was like, I forget what number you said. I think you started with six grand. Yeah, I was like, oh, that sounds bad. And then each time it, the number gets, it gets worse, dude. It gets worse. That's yeah. just like to make it. Yeah, dude. And like, and and long story short, like that 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 little bit of money I made in Brazil. That's my next fight in UFC was until November at this point. That's where I fought Seth Brzezinski. And uh, at that point, dude, I I was in a bad place I thought I made the wrong decision I was like man what kind of idiot am I I freaking passed up the police academy to chase this dream of being a fighter and I I, I lose a fight I'm losing money I'm I'm living in, in in a basement I'm living with a bunch of other dudes I'm living in somewhere that is not comfortable to me and I'm like where's the end meter when, when am I going to get my big break finally yeah. Like, and, and it gets discouraging I, I lose the fight in Brazil I lose the fight in November to Seth Brzezinski and I'm like well I'm going to get cut I'm broke and I'm going to cut from the UFC and finally, I get my my final break in UFC where it's like, all right, dude, this is it. This is where you're going to freaking make your sprint and make it break it. And that, uh, the fight that UFC signed me for in uh, 2014 in, in New Jersey, that was when I felt my UFC career was being made then. I went yeah. on a seven-fight win streak, and things finally started getting better for me then. Nice. But before then, dude, I was like, I'm, I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm an idiot, dude. I made the wrong decision. I should have went to police academy and stayed safe, but <laughs> it was a rough. I think it's important for you to share this. I think it's really good. Hold for on me. one second. <laughs> we're we're gonna get. We got 40 seconds until we get cut off. <laughs> so <laughs> let's at least put an ending on this. Huh? All right, let's do it. Um, so uh, just real quick, just give us your social media, your Instagram. People can follow you and and. Cool. Yeah, podcast. just follow me at, at Neil Magni underscore 170 Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Okay. Nice. Um, if you like the podcast, subscribe. We're on iTunes and SoundCloud. Soon coming to Stitcher. We're, um, you can find us, Quotes and Chokes, Facebook and Instagram under the same name. And if you want to find follow me and Arut, just go to a previous episode and figure it out there because we got five seconds left. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good day.